The reason is because they've been neglected and abused systematically for so long that if we don't come out and say Black Lives Matter, because in the past, when we look at the justice system and how comparable crimes get very disparate prison sentences, say this is just neglected, it's wrong, it's something we all have to do something about. Welcome to Love Your Neighbor, Episode 15, Awareness. In this episode, Reverend Ann Kirchmeyer speaks with Helen Mitchell. Hello, friends. This is Saturday, October the 24th, and I am very pleased to have with me Helen Mitchell. She is one of our members at St. Andrews, and she has graciously agreed to join me today to answer the questions about racism that we have been looking at uh, for a number of weeks now. As you may know, I started by asking people of color, uh, a number of my Black friends and colleagues, and actually I still have another one or two of those that I'll be doing, but I wanted to transition to speaking more with white people because of my growing understanding that people who created racism were pretty much us <laughs> and we need to be able to talk about it. And so I'm delighted to bring Helen to you. And Helen, as you know, we're just going to do the questions we already looked at. So just starting off in this time, how are you? I'm doing very well as is my family, because um, I like to be involved in activities. And um, despite the fact I'm not going out like I was um, in the public, um, I'm maintaining a lot of contact uh, with other people through phone calls, especially people I don't get to see very often who live in other parts of the country. And um, I'm taking lots of classes at Wayman Mary from the Osher Institute that keep me um, so busy and active and uh, my mind active and in touch with other people. Some are discussion classes, but um, it's, it's wonderful energy. And um, I'm walking uh, probably more than I did before because it breaks up the day and you just need to do that for yourself. So um, I feel in contact and engaged and um, very grateful that we are well. John is well, I am well. And um, we spend more time together during this time, which is a very nice thing. And um, I, do, I don't allow myself to become discouraged. Um, we have to be very positive about the things that we have and we'll have again. And so I'm, I'm doing very well. It sounds that way. I'm really glad, Helen. As we think about racism and kind of the, some of the new awakenings that I think white people have been coming to over the past months, um, what, what is the current situation about race like for you, for your family, for our congregation? Well, for me, I'm doing a lot of reading and especially through our response to racism team. And I am um, feeling more 
sense of responsibility for the situation that we are in right now. It's, um, it's very helpful to have time to contemplate um, what each of us has experienced in life. I have grown a lot from listening to other people. Mm -hmm. Me too. How they were raised, comparing and contrasting how I was raised and realizing that we have been living in different situations. And um, all of the situations we've lived in, I think, have contributed to the person we are right now, the people we are. And um, some people have had more exposure than others. And I think greater exposure to people of different races leads to greater understanding. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the congregation goes, I'm very grateful for people who have signed on to, to be on our team. I've gotten to know people I did not know before, and I made some presumptions about them and their background, even length of time of belonging in our church. that um, was really not accurate. And so um, I, I think really one of the things I would like to say today is that we increase our awareness by having dialogue, dialogue with people of color and also um, people who are white like we are. Um, and it is awkward. It's awkward for, I have to say most of us, maybe all of us, and we've said that in our team, because you don't know how to bring things up. And we're also afraid of saying the wrong thing. And what I have been hearing over and over, and especially from the readings and comments um, from people of color, uh, black people mostly, is um, if you say the wrong thing, you say the wrong thing. You will learn from that. And so often we are afraid of offending people and um, appearing unaware, insensitive. And because we're encouraged to speak more, um, I find that enormously helpful. Yeah. yeah, me too, Helen. That same thing has happened for me in these in these ongoing conversations. So, so in your life, what's been your experience of racism? Um, I have a lot of experiences um, that I could share and have shared with um, the racism team. Mm -hmm. But I have to start out by saying um, I was born in Norfolk and raised in Virginia Beach from the year, well, from my second year of life um, through college. Mm -hmm. and, um, it was a completely separate world. When uh, my parents moved out of Norfolk and we moved to Princess Anne County, it was before it had been absorbed into Virginia Beach. Mm -hmm. um, I never saw black people. They didn't grocery shop where we did. Um, certainly in schools, there was no integration. Neighborhoods, there was no integration. Um, when you were shopping in a clothing store, um, I didn't know as a small child that blacks were restricted. They weren't 
really even allowed or by custom, they did not shop in the same places. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> one of my earliest recollections is we would go to Norfolk and shop and also to church originally. And um, we would drive through Church Street in Norfolk. Mm-hmm. Church Street at the time was where Black people lived. So traveling in the back seat of our car, um, I would peek out of the corner of my eye um, at people who lived on the street and their, their streets and homes, they had a stoop. These are black people. Mm-hmm. Um, they had no porch, they had no green space. They were tightly compacted sitting out on the streets. And so I wanted to observe them to learn more about them. But at the same time, I didn't want them to feel stared at Um, But the impression I got was how very sad it was to be crowded and not to have cars, not to have a parking place, um, to see the, well, obviously the opportunities were not there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had nice yards, plenty of play area. We could ride our bikes in our neighborhood. Um, We even had a private beach where I lived, neighborhood beach. No black people lived in the neighborhood. So it was a completely separate world. Um, I'd like to fast forward though and share an experience um, that was unique to me. And it's when I, um, I just graduated from William and Mary and living in Williamsburg and needed money. And so I took a job as a waitress in the Williamsburg Lodge and had it had been recommended by my roommate who later became my sister-in-law as a good place to work. And I'd done waitressing every summer. So I went there. And um, on my first day of work, I realized I was the only white person who was on the staff. And uh, we were busy. So, I mean, it wasn't like you socialized, but you were expected to eat your lunch. You got your lunch that was free, but you were expected to eat your lunch in the staff dining room. Staff dining room was set up of tables of four. So I got my tray and I looked for a place to sit and I would go to a vacant table. What happened was everybody was black at the table because I was the only white person. And where, whenever, whatever day I came in and I sat down to eat, the conversation just stopped. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was because I was there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they wanted to include me, but didn't know how, or they thought she's not one of us. Mm-hmm. Um, don't talk to her. And so... Of course I was isolated, but at the same time, I knew whomever I sat down with, I was going to ruin their lunch half hour, you know, because they would just call it to a halt. And I felt guilty. I felt bad about ruining their time. And so that was the most uncomfortable part of the day. Mm -hmm. And I can only think of a parallel of black people coming into a white environment and feeling excluded. And at 22, that was um, 
quite an experience for me. And what a shame. I'm just thinking about, so one of the many uh, problems that segregation causes is you and they didn't have a way to interact with each other because you'd never had any practice doing exactly. it. Exactly. Um, you know, exactly. And then I have to say, um, I began my teaching career in Oklahoma um, in Norman, where the university is, and there was no diversity. I don't think there were black students in our school. I was at the high school. Um, I remember Native Americans were looked down upon and discriminated against. Um, and that was very interesting to me. And I, I kind of, I didn't see a lot of them. And I kind of wondered, well, how can you tell that they are? Uh, because I, I thought, well, they'll blend in just like um, other people would, but I, I didn't see the, any. When I moved to Maryland and I taught in Montgomery County, uh, Maryland, which is a wonderful, it was a very progressive school system. Mm -hmm. I was 23 and for the first time in my life, I met educated, sophisticated black people, um, who had all the self-confidence in the world. We were all working with emotionally disturbed kids. And it was eye-opening to me to see all these peers who were truly peers. Mm -hmm. um, I looked up to them. I wanted to be their friends. We had a lot in common and it broadened me tremendously. Mm -hmm. It was like a different world where people were, um, judged on their, their character and their merit. And there was not a skin color uh, stigma at all. Um, I, I felt greatly blessed in many ways for that experience. And so Great, thank you. So um, we know that in recent years there, the Black Lives Matter movement has begun and what is the significance for you of Black Lives Matter? I think that, especially in our climate of the last two years, I have seen so much joining of different groups. Um, I am heartened by the fact so many white people have become invested in the movement and are protesting. Um, are coming alive and making their contribution to recognize the injustices that have taken place for so long. But I think the difference now is we see it in video, George mm -hmm. Floyd and others that you just can't, you can't deny it. You can't deny the abuse, the singling out of black people and, um, you know, I, I think about those people who have put up signs and say all lives matter, or white lives matter, as if to say, why are we um, pointing out black people? And I think it's so obvious. The reason is because they've been neglected and abused systematically um, for so long that if we don't come out and say Black Lives Matter, because 
In the past, when we look at um, prisoners, um, the justice system and how comparable crimes get very disparate prison sentences. Mm -hmm. This is just neglected, it's wrong, it's, um, it's something we all have to do something about. So I am very grateful um, to see so many people coming out and um, supporting this movement that needs a lot more attention. And um, I have not seen it as a violent group and I disparage those who say, well, it's a bunch of people who are looting and destroying property, vandals and everything else. I don't see it that way. I think that's a very small minority. I think it's people who have a sense of conscience and I, I respect and uh, commend them all for that. Thanks, Helen. So then what, in your view, can white Christians do to be allies for people of color? And also, is there anything else in particular that you'd like to say to us? Well, I think dialogue is um, one of the most important things. And um, certainly for white people to have conversations with people of color um, is crucial. To call someone you know who has experienced um, new revelations. Um, I, I called several of my friends after George Floyd's death because I just felt they must be really hurting. And what I learned from that, from some, is they didn't realize how bad racism was. And so I wanted to be compassionate to them. And I think that's one of the things we as white Christians can offer is a sense of compassion. I think we need to do a lot more reading and learning to experience, um, if we can experience, what their lives have been like. Um, I really take heart in the young people of today um, because they're the ones who are voicing their opinions, very strongly participating in a lot of these movements. Um, and, and I saw when I was teaching high school mm -hmm. through the years, and especially the last five years of my teaching, I retired in 2011, how accepting the kids were of people of different orientations, sexual orientation, um, race, um, different backgrounds, and, and embracing each other and supporting each other. And I, I think encouraging them um, and bringing them out um, in discussions because um, they have so much to say. And I think we need to incorporate them more into our, our groups, our discussions. I think also um, as a Christian community, we can encourage people to get out and vote because um, this is our country, this is our democracy, and we have to express ourselves in the with the political tools we've been given. Mm -hmm. And um, I think free speech is 
so important. And um, sticking together, I guess, and uh, coming up with ways in which as a group, um, we can reach out to people who have been um, disenfranchised in so many ways, economically, politically, and socially through the years. That's a great point. So it sounds like you may have already answered the final question on here was what if anything gives you hope in this situation and you talked some about young people is there more you wanted to say there did you get a chance to yeah I actually uh, yeah I did I kind of skipped uh, a, a little bit That's okay. I think people are coming around um, I think people are becoming more aware um, of systemic racism. And I think people are being called on their views more, They're being challenged more. And um, I am hopeful. I'm hopeful, particularly because of this younger generation uh, that like I have um, seen firsthand, have embraced people who were um, very different. And instead of uh, being shunned the way they were or made fun of, I don't see the bullying um, that I have seen in the past. And I find that very encouraging and very hopeful. Well, that makes good sense. Well, Helen, I'm so grateful to you for your willingness to, to do this with me. Um, we usually end with a prayer. So if that's okay, I'll lead in and then um, you can say a prayer and then together we'll say the Lord's Prayer. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Holy God, I thank you for Helen, for her thoughtfulness and preparation and willingness to engage in what is a difficult and uncomfortable conversation, but one that is so necessary. I ask for your help and hope and healing for all of us, white people, people of color, people of every social class, Help us to see and respect the dignity of every human being, to remember that all of us are created in your image and to honor that image in one another. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I would like to say to God that I think that Christians need to continue to see how we can uh, model behavior um, that we think is Christ-like and that we can work for a more just system to respect others, their needs, and their rights. Amen. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the kingdom and the power, power and the glory forever. Ever. Amen. Amen. So listener, what are you thinking and feeling right now? Did Helen say something that struck you? Helen talked about the strength of our experiences. We all come from different situations and backgrounds. And that can make it hard to connect with each other, to break down boundaries and move outside our comfort zones. Helen spoke about being the only white person at her workplace and how the difference in skin color created a boundary. But her experience helped her understand the struggle of being the only black person in a white environment. And that is where our diverse experiences are our greatest strength. We can draw on our experiences to have empathy and better understand each other. It just takes an open mind and an open heart. And from there, we can share our experiences with each other, like Helen and so many of our guests have encouraged us to do. This week, have a conversation. Talk with someone about your experiences. Thank you for listening, and thank you for following and sharing Love Your Neighbor. This show is produced by St. Andrew's Episcopal Church, Newport News, Virginia. 